Welcome to This Week in Craft Beer, the podcast, the weekly show where we interview the people making the magic happen in the UK craft beer scene. This Week in Craft Beer publishes the UK's leading craft beer newsletter every Monday morning by email. To subscribe for free, please visit www.thisweekincraft.beer. This Week in Craft Beer would like to thank our generous Patreon supporters, John Stevens, Nick Flynn, Sue Johnson, Steve Hartley, Jazz Hundell, Phantom Brewing Company, Dolphin Brewery, Bayonet Brewing Co., The Paper Mill Micropub, Berkshire Beer Box, The Small Batch Brewing Co., Belgium and Blues Southampton, Doug Thayer, Robert Baker and Aid Bardi. So how are you Miranda? It's been a, yeah, a, been a long really, while. Really good. Thanks, Rob. Yeah. How are you doing? Yeah, brilliant. Thanks, actually. Yeah, we did. Uh, I saw you briefly at the festival in Reading last summer. Craft Theory. I shouldn't have struggled to remember that. But I haven't seen you since then. And um, it's been, believe it or not, uh, you were the guest on episode seven of this podcast, which we recorded in August 2020. So there's a lot of more time. Wow, that seems like another 100... world away. <laughs> <laughs> 135 episodes and, uh, and two years of lockdown. And goodness knows what else in between then and now. So we've got a bit of catching you up. You have to. been busy. But um, it's lovely to have you back on. And I'm thrilled really with, you know, everything you guys are doing up there. I, you know, I've never had a bad beer from Duration. I love the the sense of direction you have with, with, with the brewery. You know, I, I, I like reading your blog. Um, it always gives me a sort of a warm kind of sense of, yeah, that's those guys have got a nice corner of the world and, you, you know, you're getting on with it and, and everything appears to be really nice around you. So I'm sure it isn't as easy as that, but that's definitely the impression I get from... 150 oh well we're doing something whatever, right yeah. then <laughs> North, <laughs> Norfolk itself is so beautiful it the is. Yeah. that reflect where we're from is well we feel pretty lucky to do it so I yeah bet. it's very inspiring here I grew up um, having uh, a summer holiday on the Norfolk Broads every summer with my parents and grandparents oh, yeah. and so, so I'm sort of that that has a deep childhood memory of being a mm-hmm. lovely place to spend the summer and so yeah I, I'm envious that you get to do it all year round up there oh <laughs> But I guess we should really give you a chance to tell me what's the most exciting thing that's happened in the last two years for you. What are you what are you most proud of? Let's start with that. I mean, I'm pretty (laughs) proud just to still be here, in all honesty. It's been a difficult time, hasn't it, for a lot of businesses, a lot of small businesses. Terrifying. Um, Yeah, we're cracking on. Our tap room's been up and running for a little while, probably since we last spoke. That's been opened. And that's a lovely place to be. And it's it's really nice to connect with our customers and right. sort of sit down and share a beer together. Mm-hmm. Um, we've also done a crowd fund that was pretty yeah. Um, yeah, amazing. Yeah, a big one. Yeah. So so we've just delivered on the water treatment plant expansion. So a nice. big part of what we do is sustainability. And yep. with the brewery growing since we opened, it was time for us to um, expand the plant for the water treatment plant. So, yeah, that's gone in. And so that's on the, the talking Sorry to interrupt you, Are you talking water treatment on the input side of the brewing process or the output side? So we expanded the outbound effluent yep. waste. Mm-hmm. Uh, right. The inbound we do treat as well, but that yep. doesn't need an upgrade yet. It's quite a small unit that delivers that, but it's it's really great. So, yeah, we didn't need to make any changes there. Okay, brilliant. Um, yeah, but it's obviously it's so, so important to treat the, the wastewater as well, isn't it? Otherwise it becomes a, you know, a terrible burden on you. Yeah, your environment so that's great to hear that you've invested in that 
But that, as you say, that that's just a small piece of the sort of infrastructure that the crowdfunder is going to to fund, is it? Once once everything's done. Yeah, yeah. So the big sort of exciting bit is putting in a bar and restaurant. Yes. So yeah, we've got this whole end of the brewery. I feel a bit nervous speaking about it out loud, just because it's such odd times for hospitality. No. But yeah, we're forging ahead with that. So um, we've just signed off on the interior layout. And we're working with Westacre Estate to deliver that one. So, yeah, that's going to be fun. It's a slow project, that one. So it's probably going to take about a year Mm -hmm. more before we put spades in the ground because there's lots of, you know, details to cross out to sign off before we yep. actually get building but yeah that's and you're exciting. working of course with listed buildings aren't you as i, I recall from yeah. last time so that obviously places uh incredible yeah challenges to to everything that you, you know literally everything you want to do needs to be uh needs to be approved in triplicate yeah. or quadruplicate or whatever it is <laughs> exactly I, c- I can just hear it's probably a bit distracting i've got a quite excited bunny rabbit over oh. there so i'm just going to go and let it out its hutch so that no it worries <laughs> chew things up back with you that really was a moment from life on the farm, wasn't it? <laughs> yeah. yeah, I'm in my home office and it's also home to um, Opal and Pebble, who are two little lops. Lovely. So, yeah. <laughs> nice. Yeah, so you, you, the planning permission is is secured or still in process for... So we already had planning permission to do what we wanted to do. Yeah. It was agreed in principle. Mm. And then when we looked at the overall project, we actually want to install a cellar. So that needs archaeology. So we're actually going to have to resubmit it. But I think it's more a technicality than it is, you know, a big question mark. Right. Um, So an underground cellar you're talking yeah. about or, yeah oh wow so you've got to excavate and then you know and that depends what you discover as you're doing it as to <laughs> how quickly yeah, that process goes when on we did yeah. the whole brewery and I was kind of half of me was wanting to find a little monk hugging a barrel that we could like excavate the yeast from and then half of me was like fine cap- yeah but... like putting some sort of a make it some kind of feature of the <laughs> yeah yeah so we've been forging ahead with that the other thing we want to do is um plant a fruit orchard nice. um yeah, so there's all, all different bits always going on at the brewery. We've just mm-hmm. took on a new brewer as well. Lovely. Um, at the end of last year, we took on another two full-timers. So we're up to 10 of us now. Oh, wow, brilliant. <laughs> yeah, when we opened, there were just three of us. So, yep. yeah, we've pretty much trebled in our team and trebled awesome. in our output, which I feel really lucky and thankful to be able to say because opening a brewery sort of, you know, right before the lockdown... It was never going to be a, a plain road ahead, was it? No, no. I mean, your timing could not have been, you know, I wouldn't say worse. Well, well I, was, I wasn't going to say that necessarily, but but you, you let's say you couldn't have chosen a more challenging sort of operating yeah. period to try and establish. Yeah, it's definitely been dynamic, yeah. feet on the ground, adapting quickly. So, hmm. yeah, we've learned a lot. But I read your... Um, I read your review of the year on your blog this afternoon, and it actually reads really positively. I mean, I'm sure you're you're naturally a positive person, so you're going to sort of accentuate the the positives. But but notwithstanding that, it sounds as though you know you've experienced some decent growth in the last twelve months, and you know it's sort of cautiously looking really good shape actually going forwards. It's uh... yeah. I mean, I feel really thankful that even though we opened in these challenging times, we've on the whole been able to stick to our plan which you know we did invest a lot in our equipment and and we do need to scale a certain amount we don't want to get massive um but growth is a part of our plan and on the whole I feel like we've we've managed to sort of stick to it um hasn't 
come out exactly as intended so there's always room for improvement but yeah I'm really really thankful and um the proof's in the beer I think you know Bates knows what he's doing there he does there's no doubt about that yeah um he's got some good equipment and we've got Mm -hmm. a great team so yeah onwards Brilliant. So it's really exciting to read. And, and I mean, I know you, you mentioned in your blog that, that 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 very article, actually, that obviously there's been a number of friends in the industry that have sadly uh, decided to hang it up over the last few months. And, and you know, it's yeah, really, I mean, I was speaking with um, Jimmy Hatherley from I know, the so sad to today, see actually, yeah. and uh, it's hit me really hard. I mean, you know, I knew the guys at Canopy as well. And right. in a way, we're all, you know, contemporaries and any loss for one is a loss for all it's uh it's incredibly hard to see you know the diversity drop away because the whole point of craft beer is to bring something more than you know a one trick pony kind of brand where you've just got one big super beer and that's all you produce so so seeing these people who we know and we love and we stood next door to and done collaborations with go under you know it's it's pretty scary times and it makes you feel really thankful that you're still going. And in a way I was saying to Jimmy, you know, do do you feel some sense of relief? And he sort of says, well, yeah, to have a decision made and to know that's it. Right. It is kind of, you know, after three years of continual adaptation and continually trying to make it work, which we've all been doing in our own ways, it must be a bit of a relief, but I've just, he's just told me the name for his what he's going to rename his bottle shop and right. how he's going to be running that and um I, I almost felt a bit envious I was like well that's quite succinct and like tidy and he's got a few other plans to be doing stuff with um a winemaker and so I don't think oh, we've nice. seen the last of him thankfully no I hope not I really hope not but no very very sad news that was um... mm. so yeah raising a glass to all those out there that are facing all these challenges and wondering what way to go and you know that they've existed you know unity was a huge influence for us right um you know they were expanding their brewery at the same time as we were installing ours and so we've had lots of late night drinking sessions with them and you know that they've they've got a lot that they've embedded into you know the the craft beer bloodstream yes i'm really thankful for okay no indeed well, talking about raising a glass, Miranda, I am going to raise my glass of your. You end up where you were, three percent table beer. This is Lovely. absolutely. This is delicious, actually. Let me read you the tasting notes, uh, which are very nicely phrased, uh, as indeed all your tasting notes are. But this says, "Is anything finer than gathering round the table to break bread? The connections we make melt away differences, making any place feel like home. This table beer is meant for such occasions, finding familiarity and communality on the road." Because no matter where you are, if you go straight for long enough, you end up where you were. Um, yeah, lovely. <laughs> really nice tasting notes. Absolutely terrific beer. I think this is an increasingly important category, if you, if you can call mm-hmm. it a category of, of craft beer. I think we've, I've been as guilty as anybody of being the sort of the cheerleader of the high ABV beers. And, you know, mm-hmm. and it's sort of a bit of an arms race that, that you know, wasn't probably going to end up in, a, <laughs> as opposed to ending up where you were. I don't know where we we're going to end up with that. But uh, yeah. this, um, you know, this is... This is the type of beer that that hopefully people can really get behind and and you know appreciate the depth of flavour and, and just how tasty it is at mm. at three percent. You know, I I grew up drinking Benskin's Cask Bitter uh, in Hemel Hempstead, which was uh, part was owned by Ein Coop, although they still pretended it was like of a sort of a twee little independent brand. Uh, 
based in uh, in Watford actually, and um, and so so my, you know I cut my early drinking years sort of teeth drinking three point eight percent cask bitter. It was fine, you know, it was, but it, it wasn't really terribly flavoursome, and so. It's interesting to sort of compare and contrast a, a beer like that with with something with with the depth of flavour you got in here at just three um, yeah. percent. You know, there's absolutely singing with glorious citrus uh, notes. I, I actually didn't. I've not looked at the can to see what the hops are in it, but but it's really it's a lovely mix of, uh, of presumably um, citra and something else. I don't know, but but you know, yeah, it, there's it, citra uh, and um, El Dorado in there. Okay, lovely. And then in the whirlpool, I think there's a bit of mandarina Bavaria as oh, well. Nice, yeah, which is a lovely hop as yeah. well. Not, not one yeah, I think more. a table beer is a bit like a lager for a brewer, isn't it? And there's there's so much that can go wrong because mm. you haven't got the alcohol strength. You can't just dose it full of hops. It needs to be. Yeah, balanced. it's got to have a sensible cost of production, hasn't it? <laughs> With it yeah. Stick 30 um, grams per litre in it or whatever. But it needs to be pintable, in my view, oh, which and this is that, I think our one is. Yeah. Um, we put a little bit of oats in there to give it a little bit of body. Right, yeah, um, I appreciate because yeah. I, I guess that is a risk with this type of beer is it can come up a bit thin, can't it? And uh, yeah, this, this doesn't. It's it has got a bit of body to it. Yeah, yeah. So it's nice. I I like the little citrus hit you get on it. Mm. Um, yeah. It's delicious. It, it, it's a perfect, I think it's a perfect lunchtime beer. It's a perfect, as you say, perfect pintable beer. You could you could sit in the pub garden all afternoon drinking this on a summer's day and uh, you know, not yeah. get into too much trouble, which is uh, is nice. And it's uh, actually the, uh, the, the uh, just looking at the tasting notes for good times, which I've got here as well, which we may move on to, we may not. Um, that talks about crack a can and, and and drink it without overthinking it and i think that you know this is this may fall into that category as well as although i think that might be slightly disrespecting the, the depth of flavor in this because you know it's worth it's worth overthinking actually because i think mm-hmm. it's you know it's a feat of brewing to have such a, a depth of flavor in a three percent beer well, so, I, so found, I, really I found it. that in the lockdown i was prone to this i just wanted my fridge to have a beer that I knew I could drink again and again and again right and i think the return of the six pack and you know, more sessionable styles came in when we weren't out wanting to impress everyone with our repertoire of what we've been drinking. Yep. So I think from a brewery perspective, that's a really nice thing to go to. You know, yep. if it's twice, if it's nice, drink it twice kind of thing. Yeah, definitely. I um, think, you know, that, that at the end of the day, if you're a if you're a brewer, you know, you really want if you're brewing a beer which people are only going to want to drink once, then that's probably not a, a road to success, is it really? It's uh, yeah. You know, and there are there are great craft beers that I, you know, I, I I'll, I'll drink. It's oh my goodness, this is absolutely amazing. You yeah. know, somebody say you want another one? No, no, I don't want another one. But it was amazing. <laughs> I mean, we do we do make some beers that are a little bit like that. We've got a Belgian triple called right. Seeds Sleep in the Darkness that's out at the minute. Okay. And you know, I've I've probably had had it on four or five occasions, and it it's eight percent, so it's it's not something you can drink lots and lots of. No. And it's it's nice that they exist and it's nice to try those kind of beers. But I'm very much for having, you know, returnables in my fridge. Yes. Um, partly because, you know, I'm often having beers socially and with people and I don't want to overthink it. Obviously, right. if it's a group of friends and we're doing a bottle share and everyone's brought their favourite, most mm. prized beers out of their cupboards for us to try, then then it's nice to talk about them. But sometimes you just want beer to be the backdrop. And I think definitely, yeah. And I think this beer, you know, end up is for that occasion mm-hmm. and just for sitting down together and chewing the yarn a bit. Yeah, no, absolutely. Yeah. And I uh, looking actually um, think it is on the again in your end of year summary. You, you spoke about reducing your core range 
from eight to four is that so, so what is the new what is the new four core range so the new four we're going to launch them on the 17th of march okay so yeah turtles had to stay in gotta be yep yeah and we love that beer and we pro- mm-hmm. probably produce about three times more of that beer than any other single beer we make so mm. um you know not all of our productions gone over to it but but a good slice yeah then we're going to do good times which is the one you mentioned that one actually started its life as a collab with cloudwater yes yeah. um yeah and we've just done another lager collab with cloudwater over okay. at their place yeah. that's about to come out nice. um but yeah this was our riff on like a a macro lager and instead of using corn as a cheap adjunct we right. found a nice heritage maze to put in that one lovely um but much like end up just meant to be easy to pick up to go to a barbecue have a six pack yes. of and mm-hmm. not really think too hard about end ups in there and right. then the fourth one is actually a new beer so um on a similar vein to turtles, we wanted something that, you know, maybe the hazy kind of drinkers could love. Yep. Um, but for us, it always needs to finish crisp and a little yes, bit Yes, I was going to say that. I'm not seeing Bates do a, do a full-on sort of New England IPA and pander to the uh, to the hazy. Yeah, I mean, we could do Lean Into Fear, <laughs> but it's not in production at the moment. But that okay. was a classic hazy. But yes, yeah, so the fourth beer is going to be called Another Day Done. Right. And it's a 4.4%. We called it a juicy pale, actually. So, yeah, it's got all the sort of tropical aroma up front uh, from the hops. But, yeah, finishes sort of crisp and dry. It's got a slight haze to it on the colour, but not full on haze. So, yeah, more juicy than hazy, I'd say. Um, Yeah, look forward to getting my hands on one of those. Yeah, brilliant. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Lovely. And so that's, as you say, that's from March is going to be your, your four core beers and then you're going to be doing more seasonal variations is that if yeah I can, so yeah. a couple of the beers that were cores will just become seasonals um yep. so cutting grass has been a real popular one yep. for us so we'll brew that in spring mm. dripping pitch uh 6.7 yep. percent west, west coast, coast yeah we'll, we'll keep that in the summer cool. we put another lager in the seasonals harvest beer right uh, that's a medicine yeah um and then a couple of stouts so ebb and flow which is an american stout and fortitude which is an uh, imperial stout we'll have those as our winter releases lovely yeah okay yeah that's good it's nice yeah and uh... the thinking behind sort of consolidating the core down a bit was hopefully they'll become our volume movers yeah and we'll be able to just layer those in amongst the other stuff but keep it nice and simple the offerings just you know two pale owls, an IPA and a lager. And then, yeah, we still want to make collabs and still oh, make yeah. one-offs and seasonals. Um, yeah, but we just trim it down a bit. And, and they'll, be, they'll be permanently available on keg and can, I guess, the the, uh, the corn. Yeah, yeah, yeah. so they'll all be permanently available. So that's nice. the plan. Excellent. Oh, well, look forward to look forward to seeing that come to fruition. Uh, doesn't sound like it's too far away. What about the cool ship? What's the status of the cool ship and what's the uh, what's the plan? So the cool ship. So I kind of turned the barrel store into our tap room, okay. which then makes it a little bit hard to do as many cool ship beers. Yeah. But we set ourselves a target of releasing four. We call them Fermata beers, yep. but our mixed firm range. Yeah. Um, four of those a year, whether they're a sort of more quick turn slow beer yep. or like a lot of ours we leave them for about 
well sometimes about 18 months yeah um so yeah we've we've got one that we're just about to pack off and that should be out in about April nice. um, it's called Firm Friends and that right. is Learning Sky Collab oh nice yes yeah. that's a Belgian IPA that we did Brilliant. um and then oh I don't know if I can say it out loud I guess oh I don't tell me if it's uh, if you're going to be uh... <laughs> but we've just um we've just set the date for having Mills Brewing come oh, up and do a collab goodness. Love it. So yeah, we've we've wanted to have those over since, yeah. since we've opened. So yeah, we're we're talking on on recipes there. So I can't give too much away on what we'll be brewing. That's awesome. And it probably will take a little while before that one's ready to be shared. But yeah, we're really really excited uh, uh, to do that one. Uh, we also had a nice chat with. Um, let me get their name right. Balance. Yes. Balance yeah. and blending. Balance on the, on the pod. I love what those guys are doing. <laughs> and then we've also got a brew, but we don't know if we're going to take it on the wild side or if we're going to keep it in the main brew house. Right. So last year we did one over at Pastore, mm. um, yeah. and it was all East Anglian brewers. So we had a little earth, I guess. Little uh, earth, all earth day. Mill, all day. Uh, ampersand. Ampersand mm. and us. Lovely. Yeah, and we're hosting this year. So I think we're going to do that one towards the end of the summer. Brilliant. And um, we're all going to bring a bit of honey. Oh, nice. Mm. Yeah, that's because that's, of course, is, you know, is the ultimate local ingredient almost, honey, isn't it? You know, it's kind of yeah. like there's nothing that can be more of a particular place than, than, than local well, honey. Well, yeah. So, yeah, and you look probably. at even just the colour from depending yeah, on whether the exactly. bees have been in the yeah. meadow mm. or on the old church wall or wherever, yeah. So... <laughs> So I think that one will be really, really nice. We've actually done one honey beer that we did with Unity two two summers ago. So we've had a little experience of it and it it came out beautifully. So, yeah, we're going to going to go back to the uh, drawing board with that one and and see what we all come up with together. Brilliant. That'll be really fun. You um, I I, I sadly didn't get to the Little Earth Project Festival last summer, but I guess you guys probably did. Did you? And uh, yeah, I assume you'll be back there this year, will you? yeah so yeah we can't <laughs> wait for that yeah no it's uh we, I, I have been uh, i've been down there and we had a lovely weekend there but actually the summer before um but they've uh, got yeah, something just... really special going on there haven't they it, oh, like us they're a bit of a mission yeah. to get to but once you get there you, you really feel the beauty of your surroundings absolutely <laughs> perfect idyllic location yeah it's just, mm. it's just amazing and the fact that they've got a you know, campsite next door is just uh, it, it just yeah. amazes me that people ever leave i'm sure i'm sure that, that you know they, they have to danny has to go around at the end of the weekend with a shotgun or whatever just sort of shooting yeah, yeah, people out of come on you've got any homes to go to yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. i can't see how anybody would ever leave otherwise but uh maybe that's just me yeah so with the mixed firm side i think we're setting ourselves a target of doing four releases a year right and what's the size of your production run of a, of a mixed firm beer so our brew house is 20 hectolitres yep. and um, our cool ship is actually can hold double. That. Okay, so okay, can, so that's a big one. We can one, do yeah. a double brew. We've yeah. actually got a divider in the middle of the cool ship. So mm. if we want to keep it all on one side, we can, or we can open it up and it can run across both. Okay. Um, yeah, so it's kind of a bit of a hybrid cool ship. We can kind of use it like a Yorkie square a bit as well. <laughs> Yeah, and then we've got one packaging tank and three fooders. So right. each one of them is sort of 20 hex. So oh, lovely. yeah, we can only ever have four beers being made at one time over right. there. Do you keep finished beer in the fooder for, for serving in the tap room or, or or not at this stage? Say that again, sorry. Do, do you serve out of the fooder in the in the tap room 
Uh, no, or, no, no. We always package it off and then yeah. keep it in keg. Yeah. Is that is that something that you might get to in the future? Do you think when you've done that when you finish expansion, or is that am I overreaching with that? <laughs> I don't know. We haven't planned to. I could see, you know, like howling hops have their tank bar, don't they? Yeah. And yeah. Never say never. I guess. No, I think three. I'm sure. I want to say. I think three hills have got something like that going on in Bermondsey, haven't yeah. they? Um, and I'm trying to think somewhere else as well. Somebody else's. If you um, catch Bates on a tour on a good day, he'll give you a pour. Give you a taste out of it, yeah. Either anyway. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, nice. and I, I forgot to say when I was going through our core range, we've got four fresh beers in our core, but actually, Bet the Farm, which um, started life as a as a clean beer, we right. always intended to walk it sort of to the wild side. Okay. And we've done two iterations of it so far and got a third one in tank at the moment. So, yeah, Bet the Farm on the Fermata side is our sort of fifth core beer. Right. Um, and a farmhouse pale. Okay, lovely. Very nice. Um, I like to pose a, a bit of a challenging question at this stage. And so what I've been doing with guests who have, who have had on before is, is slightly rephrase my question. I ask first time guests, what makes you different? And I think we did that last time. Um, so mm -hmm. I now ask repeat guests to tell me, what do you wish you'd done differently? Is there anything you're looking back that you, that you would sort of say, actually, we should have done this instead of that? And uh, I don't know. No, it doesn't have to be a hugely negative thing with massive negative consequences. It can be, mm -hmm. a, it can be a business thing. It can be a, you know, a, a beer style thing. It, I don't quite take it whatever direction you like. But it's always it's interesting just to challenge you to say, is there is there anything you look back on saying, oh, you know, we probably... We did, I wish we'd have done that or this. Is it? Oh, that's so. That's a really good question. <laughs> I kind of at times had wished that we had smaller tanks so we could make more variety yeah, of beer. But I don't actually think that because now our batches run out and the next one's ready to go. So I think it was because in the lockdown we were can only and yes. you know normally if you make kegs it moves a lot quicker. It would have yeah I guess during lockdown it would have been nicer to have a bigger variety of, of beer styles. Yeah so so I don't I think that's a false answer I don't actually think that. Yeah I kind of wish I'd known how being so remote could be challenging for recruitment. Oh, yeah, um, that's interesting. And I love our team and and we've got a really dedicated team who all show up every day they come in they want to do their work they go home yeah so I don't feel like um it's proved to be an issue yet but I just feel like there's so many people that are like oh I saw you advertising a job I'd love to work with you but where you are I'm in Bristol or I'm in Manchester or whatever yeah <laughs> yeah and you've got to be you know, at a certain point in life to want to kind of up sticks and, and move into rural. Yeah, <laughs> Norfolk. absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I never really considered that. And I'd always grown up in London yep. where, you know, there's 10 people waiting to take your job. So of it course. gives a very competitive edge. You're hiring from a in, very deep pool of, uh, of talent. Yeah, yeah, from an employer's perspective. Whereas out here, it's it's not necessarily slim pickings. I think the brewery itself, especially on the production side, yep. draws talent because oh, yeah. it's a very nice brewery to work at. You know, I wondered whether having a head brewer that's also a founder would limit the scope for anyone on the brewery side because they felt like maybe they could never take the place of Bates, but that hasn't been the way. Right. Um, so, yeah, what would I have done different? 
I mean, I would have timed it better and not opened <laughs> <laughs> during the You'd pandemic. have opened 2016 instead of 2019, whatever. And you know, yeah. it'd be nice to have you know three or four years of plain sailing before COVID, mm. wouldn't it? But I think I think because of where we were, uh, where we are, and because of what we had to consider before opening, we actually did a lot of forward thinking. So right. the steam generator we put in double the size that we need. We did a lot of future proofing right. with the brew house and a lot of upfront um, sort of spend on the equipment and thinking about how it would scale and all that kind of stuff. And, and maybe because we hadn't planned for this sort of period of contraction that we've had, maybe we went a bit big or yep. a, bit, a bit bigger than we felt comfortable managing in the lockdown but I think hopefully in time that will become a sort of mute point so yeah, yeah I think because of because of where we were going to be you know we knew we had to have water treatment facilities because we couldn't go into mains drainage we knew we had no. to design our growth because we had to ask for planning for everything up front yeah so I don't actually I can't think of anything immediate and pressing that I would have done different and then we've also adapted. So because of the time we opened at, and there's, I think there's been a trend towards, you know, lower ABV Absolutely. styles yeah. and more sessionable drinking. We've actually adjusted. So we've got a lot more lager in our portfolio than, than we would have initially done. Yeah. Um, we've got a lot of sessionable beer, which actually we wanted to do anyway. So it's kind of helpful. So I think there's no like you set out to do this and you've got to stick to it no matter what. Right. So we've, we've sort of been adapting as we've gone, which is nice to be able to do. Of course it is. Absolutely. Mm. Yeah. And you, you know, you've been small enough, I guess, to be able to be nimble yeah. in that respect. I mean, right. we open saying we want a wheat beer in our core range and we're going to make saisons and we're going to do, yeah. you know, lots of Belgian beers. And um, we still do those and we still mm. have those. But I think, especially with our core range consolidation that we're about to do, we also have to, to some degree, accept that, you know, having a portfolio that's, that's really obtuse <laughs> and really broad yeah. isn't always going to win everyone over. So no. we'll just, we'll just put out, you know, the beers that we know and we think will be popular at the front. And then we'll layer in all this other stuff that you'll, we want to yeah, do. And I don't feel that's a concession. I feel like that's more just, getting commercially it's common commercial common sense real yeah, yeah. You know, i'm sure you know plates would sooner perhaps be brewing you know more out there belgian styles or or you know sort of funky stuff but but equally you know you, you are you're running a business aren't you and you've got, you know, yeah. you've got staff wages to pay and you've got lights to keep on and, and everything yeah. else that goes with that so uh, i think it's 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 a sensible balance isn't it mm. um talking about having more lagers in your portfolio let's talk about good times oh yeah it's, is uh, your 4.2% American light lager. Tasting notes here say, we teamed up with Cloudwater to make a sprightly little beer with big appeal, designed to take beer back to basics. The refreshingly light adjunct lager uses corn for malty sweetness and aroma, pouring clear and bright with minimal bitterness. Simply crack a can and drink in the moment without overthinking it. Uh, lovely citrusy note to it as well actually mm -hmm. it's, uh, it, i think it's really nice lager very pintable i'm quite sure and mm -hmm. um, and i'm guessing draft would be the, the the focus for this would it more so than mm -hmm. so you know i'm guessing that this is a beer that that you know you'd love to see pouring you know in, instead of uh, any of the horrible macro lagers that i won't mention yeah. in the in the pubs of norfolk and beyond so I, I guess that's the plan is it and is that 
How's that coming along? Yeah, so, so we did used to have a beer called Doses, which is a mm-hmm. German Pilsner. Yep in our core range and that's um 5.1 percent right and we just we actually had two surprise well three surprise lagers that we really expected to do as one-offs and they've just lasted a lot mm-hmm. longer so one is cutting grass which is our right. italian pilsner yeah that's four and a half percent i think it's partly popular just because it's got baits on a lawnmower <laughs> on the label um that's nice and lemony four and a half and it's just you know a perfect summer beer Mm. and then this good times we actually brewed it with cloud water first right and really didn't know how well it would do and the first two batches entirely sold out brilliant yeah so so we've kept this one in production and we're actually bringing it into our core range I don't know if um doses doses has a bit more of a sort of floral edge right and it's just that slightly higher ABV yeah so yeah, I think a 42 to 4.5% is a really nice strength for a lager. Perfect sweet spot for draft, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. And then the third one that took us by surprise was Harvest Beer, which is pours a lot more amber in its emetson. Yeah. yeah. But yeah, good good times. I really enjoy it. Mm-hmm. I find it very uncomplicated. Uh-huh. You know, there's there's not a ton to dissect with it. It's just mm-hmm. there and it's just meant to be drunk cold many yeah. of. <laughs> Absolutely. What's the um, what would be the, the the breakdown between keg and can in terms of the packaging? We right. probably do about sixty five percent keg. Right. How widely does that does that distribute? I mean, is it you, you're getting it sort of up and down the country, or is it fairly local in terms? Yeah, of the, it goes yeah. out to all our regional wholesalers. Nice. And it's one we've been asked like would we consider putting it into 50 litre kegs as well? Right. It's really affordably, affordably priced in our okay. core range. Yeah. Um, you know, there's not a ton of hops in there. No. Um, you know, it's nice and easy to produce. It's not right. too expensive. So, yeah, we'd like it to be something that gets a few permanent line listings and things yes. like that. So. Brilliant. Are, are, you, are you at that stage yet or are you still sort of working on that in terms of permanent lines? Um, we've got quite a few, locally, we've got yep. quite a few accounts that take permanent lines. Turtles tends to be yes. the really popular one for that. Mm-hmm. But we've got we've got one account that has end up on as a permanent. And um, nice. yeah, doses has been popular locally as well as permanent lines. So yep. yeah, now that we've got good times in the core range, we'll have to see how that one does. Brilliant. Yeah, and I certainly hope so. I mean, it, it just it, it seems to me like if you're running a you're running a free house. You've surely got to be a bit more imaginative with your with your draft lagers than than a lot of them do. You know, it's it's yeah. almost like the you know they they don't even I don't, I don't really want to get started down this sort of negative <laughs> line of thinking. But it yeah. seems to me that that pubs take a lot of care to some extent with their choice of beers, and then they just get the you know any old crap lager in just to uh, just to make the numbers up. You know, and it, it, that, I feel like with the lager though, people do get an allegiance. You know, like so. in the village pub near us turtles is actually the the best selling beer and the pub sells the most of it compared to any other beer but then they wouldn't dream of taking carling off and i think once you've yeah committed to a a beer you kind of want to drink it for life and i think that is quite a hard thing to undo especially on lagers um so i i do understand but for us out here you know we don't make cask beer no um so the lager is often the tap that you can convert people into craft from. Yes. So yeah, yeah. No, interesting. I, I... And and also with a lot of the macro breweries, you know, they've all 
announced their price increase. I know they have, yeah, 10, 11, 12% here and there. So, yeah, and it's actually go. sort of narrowing the gap between small producers like us where, mm. where they will put their prices up. So, yeah. No, well, we'll take you know, take take a, a blessing if there is one to be had yeah. in there. Certainly, hopefully, uh, it's leveling the playing field a bit. But you know, you obviously. I you think are. most brewers have a lager in their in their range now, and yes. it is, you know, it's it's opened up as a category a lot more. Yeah, no, definitely, mm. uh, and I think it's um, you know, I, I think especially on draft, I think that's really where you can, you know, you can charge a fair price for it because people are prepared to pay, you know, a pretty significant price for a pint of lager. The the the, uh, the challenge for me comes when you're trying to compete with the cost of Carlsberg or Foster's or mm-hmm. you know, name your other macro crap lager in cans because you know their the production volumes are so high that they're able to mm. drive it down to a pound a can or whatever it is retail. And yeah. that's that's so challenging, isn't it, to to compete with from what you simply can't compete with that from a from yeah. a craft perspective. And the tank time that you have to give lagers, you know, we give ours minimum five weeks some of them go up to seven weeks so you know you're you're sat on them for a while before Mm. they are ready to be sellable no absolutely Mm. yeah no it's uh the 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 math doesn't really add up does it in terms of why why, you know why you should even make a lager as a craft brewer but But it's uh, still the most drunk beer in the world i know it is yeah yeah i know yeah not in my household but (laughs) (laughs) but this is love i'm enjoying this this is this is a really nice example and um, yeah lovely crisp and uh you were saying earlier, you know, you you sort of lent into the to the corn as a sort of an American ingredient, but actually gone, um, you know, gone really artisanal with it, which is which is a nice yeah. So we've got like a nice heritage maize in there, and you know, we feel really lucky that uh, we live where crisp maltings have so many Just up the road, um, fields yeah. given yeah. over to barley, and we can go out with them and see when they're drilling and see the spring and winter barley coming up yeah. in the field. So it's I think malt's a real unsung hero. In it the definitely beer world. is, yeah. I think it's, yeah, you know, you, you, hops and yeast get all the uh, all the plaudits, don't they? Yeah. <laughs> but uh, no, this is um, this has come up really nice. Um, what have you got coming up beer release wise? You mentioned you've mentioned a couple, Miranda. Is there anything else that you've got got coming up for for release that uh, people should be excited about? Yeah, so we're doing. We've been talking about doing a beer with Lily from Queer Brewing. Yep. Mm-hmm. Oh, forever. And somehow our diaries haven't aligned. So that's booked in and Lily's coming up on the, I think it's the 8th of March, which happens to be International Women's Day. And um, yeah, I think star wise, we've locked in on something. So we're going to be hopefully brewing a cold IPA. Oh, okay. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. So that's one of the ones we've got coming up. I mentioned the um, East Anglian brewers, didn't I? Yep. Then in tank at the moment and about to be released, we've done a collab with Cloudwater. That's right. kind of a riff on Good Times, actually, but yep. just a little small beer. Okay. Um, and we've done a beer with Bundabus that's going to be out in the next week or so. Nice. Um, yeah, so so they're going to be really good fun. And mm. then over the summer, we're going to be popping over to Germany and doing oh. a collab. I got to say this right. First Wirefeck. First Wirefeck, yes. Love yeah. First Wirefeck. Brilliant. <laughs> and then uh, we're also going to be heading down to Elusive. Right. And uh, doing a brew down there. Right, just up the road from me. Yeah. <laughs> oh, lovely. I'm hoping it's going to be like a cascadian dark ale or a bit right or yeah okay. like andy's probably fed up of everybody you know collabing with <laughs> I know. It's gotta be a black ipa andy or you know. <laughs> yeah and then we've got a few others that um not quite ready to talk about but mm. some big hitters in there 
and just some really beautiful people that we've been wanting to do collabs with for a while. So yeah, we actually did, I think it was like 16 collabs last year that we hosted. Nice. Um, so me and Bates have said, right, this year, let's us get out and let's about. Get on the road more. a bit. Yeah, go, go and do the return legs. Yeah, terrific. Yeah, I think we're a bit of a retreat brewery place where people, people like the idea of coming and come and, and, yeah, yeah, come, and, come and down and see the farm. Yeah, yeah. so we're going to do um, a return collab down at Beak this year as well. Oh, nice. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so there's a, there's a few in the pipe. Lovely. Yeah, sounds like fun. What have you got festival or events wise this summer that you're excited about? I think the first one of the season is going to be Springwell Sessions. Right. Yeah. No. Uh, it's in about April. There's a really lovely selection of bottle shops called Hopsters. Yes. And they did their first festival last summer down at Leon C. So we're going yep. back there. Brilliant. Um, We've got lots of different tap takeovers happening all quite locally right. in the next coming weeks. And then down those, at the brewery, the, we've got a nice lineup of, uh, we've got, you know, different event nights that we're doing there. Where's the best place for people to get up to date on that stuff, Miranda? Is it on your Facebook or? or... Um, so we, we put all of our events, once they're announced, they just go up on our website. So durationbeer.com slash events. Okay. Yeah, so you can have a nosy through all of those. What have you noticed from your listeners? Like, what what are they drinking more of, less of? Well, What's interesting for people? Is it still getting out to events, or is it finding out about releases? Yeah, what what are you seeing? So that's a multi part question, wasn't it? So definitely, you're spot on with a, a reduction in ABVs. I think that's very clear that that's the general trend. So I think you know people mm-hmm. are not so. You know, I think there's the year of the tipper or whatever, which was last year or the year before, is is a long way in the past now, and I don't think there's much demand for for tippers mm-hmm. anymore. So I think, yeah, generally, I think people are looking for more sessionable beers. I think we still, in terms of sort of engagement with with us, I think people are very still very interested in you know news of, of beer releases. So I think you know that that's a significant part of what we do is is publishing that each week, and I think that still gets really good um, good engagement, mm-hmm. but you know absolutely it's all about i think festivals and, and getting out and you know in person events is really the where this industry comes to life isn't it and so i yeah. think that's the thing that people are most excited about i think is yes you know seeing the the breweries that they love out at the you know as many festivals as possible and you know and having the chance to engage with the hopefully with the with the principals while they're there it's you know it's obviously mm-hmm. it's, a, it's a big ask to some some of you guys are out almost every weekend at festivals now it's you know it's amazing we we're out of quite a few and it's amazing how you sort of, you know, you tour around the country and you see the same people, you know, at one end of the country yeah. and the opposite end of the country the next week. And it's uh, it's very hard to do that at the weekends and still run the business during the week. So it's, uh, yeah. I appreciate that you can't do every event and, and you know, and even every every second or third event is still a big ask. But I think that's that's really what people love about this industry so much is is, yeah. is is the festivals, and I think we've got some amazing ones actually in the UK. We're very lucky with the with the amount of brilliant festivals that are being run. Um, we are. Um, I always ask the um, the guest to do a shout out to the little guy at this stage, which is mention one or more local to you beer businesses that you think are doing a great job promoting not just duration but but independent craft beer, and so. That can be a, another brewery, a, a tap room, a bottle shop, a pub, mm-hmm. a restaurant, a cafe, but somebody that's that's specifically promoting independent craft beer. So I don't know if you want to drop a couple um, of names, that would be great. The guys over at Morton Mardle uh-huh. in Norwich are great. They've had us over for a tap takeover and they really, 
it's a tiny little place um, in NR3, and they've probably got seven tables. Nice. Really, really diddy, but they really curate well. They've got right. a lovely fridge full of beers, and they're mm. just such a warm and nice, welcoming place. So right. I'd say Morton Mardo or one. Thank you. And then, because we're planning our core beer release with lots of bottle shops, you know, we got the old address book out and started yes. looking through. And um, I think O'Brien's up north are doing great work. I know one of the founders is expecting as well at the minute. So to right. be working in and around beer when you can't necessarily partake in the That's goods. That's tough, yeah. Deserves <laughs> a medal. But, you know, Jules at Hop Hideout is a great right. asset to the industry. And, yep. I mean, there's too many to mention. There are. It's really hard because, you, you know, yeah. as, soon, as soon as we've finished recording, you say, oh, no, I didn't mention that. Yeah, <laughs> I, I would say that all those people that have kept going with deliveries within yep. their postcode areas and just keep curating and repping great breweries and have have kept going when the pubs came back into play you know those the tiny little off off trade independent bottle shops I just think the time that they give their customers when you go in the shop and the stories they'll tell you about those beers you can't pay for that level of service no you couldn't no that's right I think to recognize that and and see those guys as our ambassadors is amazing yes um on the on-draft side, you know, Cafe Beer Moth have been Wonderful. great for us and yeah. they always want to know what's coming up and put stuff out. But but honestly, in every region, when I'm thinking around the country, yeah. there's at least a dozen that I could be listing and I don't yes. want to because I know I'll miss someone out. But no. yeah, I think, I think beer is a big supply chain and it's not just, uh, you know, the people that grow our hops and grow our grains and then the brewers that turn those into lovely liquid. But it's it's that whole onward supply chain, including the wholesalers that make sure it gets out there in impeccable condition yes. and deal with all dispense issues and all sorts of issues to make sure that what gets delivered in your glass is in the best condition. But yeah, all the, all the bottle shops and pubs, it's a real team effort to get beer out to people. And yes. um, yeah, I'm grateful for the part we get to play in it, but also that we get to meet all these amazing people. We became good lockdown friends with Beer No Evil over right. in Worthing. Yep. And, you know, we'll ring up and have a chat and it would just be, you know, a, how's your life going mm-hmm. and what's been happening. But I came to really value those phone calls when, nice. yeah. you know, I felt like I was a talking head in an office that also <laughs> made beer. So, yeah, the friendships formed with um, with the people that are our ambassadors. Terrific. And really important to us. Yeah, no, that's lovely. Thanks for thanks for saying that, Rand. I totally agree. Well, then we are at the wrap up question, and and you mm-hmm. get to answer the alternate wrap up question because you gave me your ultimate happy hour when we recorded in twenty twenty. So now oh, yeah. you have the alternate wrap up question, um, and this is: What beer or beer style that is no longer available would you like to resurrect so that you can either taste it again or taste it for the first time? I would say, you know, when um, in school lessons and things, when you learn that at one point we all drank beer because it was safer than water. (laughs) I'd love to try that just to see if it was enjoyable or if it was just dog awful, but it kept you safe and it kept you alive. Mm. So I think I'd like to try that. Nice. Go back to the sort of Middle Ages or whatever to, to you know, I, I guess we was I don't know, three, four hundred years ago anyway, wasn't yeah. it? Yeah. Where that, that was the safest. There'd be that and the Romans first 
ketchup that was made out of fish guts or whatever. <laughs> Doesn't sound like the best meal, does it? To have no. like, but yeah, I'd I'd love to see how far it's moved from what we identify as beer today. Yeah, that's a good shout. Actually, I'd like to do mm. that as well. Yeah, I'm sure it'd be terrible, but um, it would be. Uh, I suppose it just 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 sort of the hint of of alcohol in it would take the maybe take the edge off it and uh, make it make it just tolerable. Once you got used to it, I suppose it's uh, you could drink almost anything if you if you drank it for long enough and got used to it. Yeah. <laughs> it's not much of a not much of a commercial for it, is it? Yeah, good answer. Well, Miranda, lovely to catch up with you. Lovely. Um, I'm to catch so up with you pleased too, with how well things are going for you considering you know what a challenging period it's been you know i'm thrilled that that you're sort of poised for the next big phase of the expansion and it's funded thanks to the crowdfunder so you know it's going to be so exciting to see how you spend that money and uh, i can't wait to um, read the reports and watch it develop and um, i think we we definitely need to come up and see you at some point this summer um you know i've got a few yeah i think i think it's a really good time to visit before the tap rooms in because there's something really magical about being in where the cool ship is and where the fooders are Mm. and you know i think we've got like eight eight tables inside and we've got a little courtyard outside right but i think when we move into the other tap room it's going to feel a lot more grown up it'll become a bit yeah but yeah i I can see that yeah less uh, less, there's there's something really special about it being this sort of now phase so yeah obviously you're more than welcome and Mm -hmm. anyone listening in you know a warm welcome awaits we open every friday saturday so yeah fantastic well i'm definitely gonna try and make that happen this summer but um in the meantime i wish you and bates every success and the whole team of 10 of you now is is amazing Um, i'm sure i will run into you at some point over this summer at, uh, at a festival somewhere but in the meantime i wish you every success thanks very much for your time thank you you too rob lovely chatting with you thanks